0: Amen. If you have a Bible, you can open up to Revelation chapter 21 Uh, will be our text this morning from chapter 21, Revelation chapter 21. We began this series in Genesis and we're ending this series in Revelation, starting at the beginning and ending at the end. Have you ever wondered what a caterpillar thinks? When he looks in the mirror, y'all look at this guy. Have you ever wondered what a caterpillar thinks? Now, some of you, my daughter probably thinks he's cute, Um, but no, she's she's shaking her head. No, not really. Uh, Have you ever wondered what a caterpillar thinks when he looks in the mirror? Maybe uh, he looks in the mirror and he thinks, "I'm so ugly. No one will ever love me. No wonder I don't have any friends." Look at this, I'm just tired of living, maybe that's what a caterpillar thinks when he looks in a mirror, but what if he could see the future? What if he could see the future? What if he could look in the mirror and see what he will become? What if he could look in the mirror and see what he will become? Same animal, same creature, that was before, this is after, same creature. A beautiful butterfly. How would it change his self-perception if he looked in the mirror and he could see what he will become in the future? When he looks at the ugliness of his current situation, he can say with faith, that thing is not forever. That thing is not forever Now look, I love to watch war movies. Anybody else like to watch war movies? Uh, Just a couple of you. My wife does not like to watch war movies and so I have to wait until she's out of town or away before I can actually sit down and watch a war movie. And one of my favorite war movies is the 1963 film The Great Escape starring Steve McQueen. Now some of you remember Steve McQueen. Amen, amen. This is a story about allied troops, allied soldiers, escaping a Nazi POW camp during World War II. And in order to escape, the, prison, the spoiler alert, in order to escape, the prisoners had to dig tunnels under the, the, the barracks and under the ground all the way out to the woods outside of the fence. And it took a long time to dig those tunnels. But at the end of the day, 76 prisoners escaped one night. 76! But unfortunately, those soldiers were all tracked down and recaptured except for three. Many of them were executed. This is based on a true story. And it's, and it's a, an adventure, but it's a tragedy. But here's the thing, it's a historical film, and we know the ending. We know that at the end of the day, the allies are going to win the war. Right at the end of the story, we can still uh, we can still know for certain that the victory is Sure. The allies will win the victory in the end. So when you watch the film and you see the misery and the suffering and the sacrifices that these soldiers undergo, you can look at those sacrifices with a view toward the victory that's coming. Now they didn't know the victory was coming, but we do. And when we look back, we know that the victory was coming. That the Nazis would be defeated Sometimes when you see the misery and the sacrifices, you need to remember that thing is not forever. Isabella Bumfrey was born into slavery in 1797. She endured being sold multiple times. She endured uh, being separated from her five children at various times. And she endured physical abuse at the hands of her so-called masters. And yet Isabella was a believer in the Lord Jesus. And Isabella set her eyes on the hope and the promise that God gave her of freedom. In fact, she was so devoted to that future that she escaped her her, uh, situation in slavery. She escaped with her infant daughter in 1826. And these are some words that Isabella Baumfree wrote. Listen to this. this. These are her own words. She said, when I left the house of bondage, I left everything behind. I wasn't going to keep nothing of Egypt on me. And so I went to the Lord and asked Him to give me a new name. And He he gave me sojourner because I was to travel up and down the land showing the people their sins and being a sign unto them. And I told the Lord I wanted two names because everybody else had two. And the Lord gave me truth because I was to declare the truth to the people. Sojourner, truth. Truth. Some of you know we have a building in Orangeburg named after Truth. Truth Hall. Sojourner Truth endured many injustices and suffering in her life. And yet she knew the end of the story. And she believed that God's justice would prevail. And so she took a new name. She took a new name. She said, I'm not taking any of Egypt with me. I'm leaving it all behind. She took a new name, Sojourner Truth, because she knew good and well. That thing is not forever. Brothers and sisters, we have been working through a series on biblical sexuality over the last three weeks. We've been discussing the first week about what God's good design for sexuality is within marriage. We talked about the second week, the brokenness of sexuality caused by sin and, and the, the fallenness of, of this world. And then thirdly, last week, we, 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 we heard about the redemption that marriage points us to, our Savior, and that agape love, that sacrificial, unconditional love that marriage is pointing us to. And so today, we're going to consider that thing is not forever forever. Because no matter what your current situation, married or unmarried, we all live in the struggle of sexual brokenness and temptation. We all live in the frustration of unmet desires and broken dreams. We all live in bodies that do not work the way they are designed to work. And we all live with spirits that long to find satisfaction in things that will never quench our thirst. Sexuality is a struggle for everyone. But here's the good news. You already know. That thing is not forever. And now we open God's word, Revelation 21 verses 1 through 5. saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither will there be any mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, write this down. What did he say? He said, write this down, for it is trustworthy and true. Brothers and sisters, we know the end of the story. Brothers and sisters, we know that all the ugliness of today will transform into the beauty of forever. We know that all evil will be defeated. The evil out there and the evil in here. It will all be defeated. We know that all those who are bound by chains will be set free. And even now, God is making all things new. And so, all things. And so, we need to live fully aware today of the end of the story. When we look in the mirror, we need to look at the end of the story. And and because we know what God is going to do, He's already told us, it's already written down. And for all those who are trusting in Jesus, God tells us in this scripture that we get some new things. And you want to know what, the, everybody like to get new things, right? I like to get new things. Here's a couple of new things that God is giving to us in the scripture and what he's promised to us. Number one, we're going to get a new lover. Number two, we're going to get a new family. And number three, we're going to get a new reality. We're going to get a new lover. Look at verses one and two. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. Brothers and sisters, when when Jesus returns to judge the world, He will cast all evildoers into eternal judgment. And look, that includes all sin. Not just sexual sin, but all sin. He will judge the world in righteousness. But there's good news. The good news is, not everybody who deserves hell is going. Because God has poured His mercy and His grace on this world and He has made a way for us to escape this judgment that is coming. The Bible tells us over and over that all those who put their faith in Jesus, those for whom He died, those for whom marriage points to, will come out of heaven. And we will inhabit the new earth. And we will be called the new Jerusalem. The new city. That would make a great name for a church, wouldn't it? Amen. Amen. The new city coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. All the scars and all the shame of the past is erased. All the sin and all of the hurts are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Because He is our new lover. He is our eternal lover. He is the one who loves us with a sacrificial, agape love. In the end, we get a new lover. In in two chapters before this, the Apostle John describes the bride in more detail. And he says that it was granted to her, this is in chapter 19, verse 8, if you're taking notes. He says that it was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure Notice it says it was granted. That means it was a free gift of God's grace. That that her white wedding dress represents purity. Not purity that she deserved or purity that she earned, but purity that was granted to her. You see, we don't need to stand under condemnation for the sins of the past any longer. Because we have a God who will clothe you in a new robe of righteousness. And in this scripture it's saying a new wedding dress, if you will. I don't know what I think about wearing a wedding dress, but on that day it's going to be alright. I think it's a metaphor probably for being clothed in the righteousness and the goodness that I know I, good and well I did not deserve. God will make you right on that day. In the end, you will be dressed in a white robe of goodness and righteousness. Fine linen, pure, innocent, good, and right. Brothers and sisters, that's what we all long for, isn't it? To be right, to be made right, for all of the hurt to be taken away. And Jesus is saying that's your future. He's saying that's your future. Isaiah 62, verse 5, the Old Testament prophets spoke of this day and they said, For as a young man marries a young woman, so your children will marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Have you ever, oh, I love weddings. Some of you may hate weddings, but I love weddings because I love to watch the bridegroom's face when the bride walks up through that door. And I don't care what anybody's saying or doing at that moment. His face says it all. And listen, that is a picture. It is an earthly, fleeting picture of what God will what will be on God's face when he looks at you. When you are, That is a, a fleeting earthly picture of a future heavenly reality that you have a new lover. You have a new lover. He knows your deepest ugliness. He's not confused. He knows it and He loves you still. He will rescue you from every temptation and set you free. He will give you a new name, just like Sojourner Truth. Your name will be Beloved. Forgiven. Friend of God. He gives you something better than anything we could ever possibly experience on earth. Even in the best marriage. He gives you something that is way better than any sexual experience or relational experience in this world. You know what it is? It's himself. He gives you himself. We get a new lover because that thing is not forever. But not only that, we get a new family. Look at verse 3. Oh, it gets better. And and I heard a loud voice from the throne. Uh, Not a soft voice, right? uh, A loud voice! Amen. Uh, A loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is now with man. He will dwell with them and they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them as their God. You see, the new earth that God is going to create will be a return to the Garden of Eden before sin entered the picture. Except it will be better because there will not even be the possibility of sin this time. You see, we will be made perfect in righteousness. God tells us that we won't even want something apart from God because we will be totally satisfied in Him. Totally satisfied. We're not even going to want to to, to do anything else except love our lover. And He brings us into His family and He creates this family. Notice it, it is referring to a people. Notice He says His people. He doesn't say you as an individual. He doesn't say you as an individual. We need to get out of that mindset of thinking about salvation as just an individual thing. This is a people thing. This is a collective thing. This is something that God is doing to a people, a new family. God does not just relate to us individually, but collectively. That's why church is not about going and getting your church on. Because it's not about you. It's about coming together and being in fellowship With the body. And so that means I have to lay down my preferences. So that I can love you. And that you lay down your preferences. So that you can love me. You see God creates a new family. A spiritual family. And isn't that what sex is for? If you take it back a minute. It's to create... New life, right? It's to create a family. I mean, that's literally what it does, y'all, okay? Get your textbook out, that's what it does. And so, in the future, that family, which now is a worldwide family and a believing family, that family is going to endure forever. We will dwell with God and one another forever in the new earth. Look, earth is, I mean, the new, we're not going to heaven when we die. Uh, that's confusing, right? We think we're going to heaven when we die. But actually, the Bible says, no, you're going to the new earth when you die. That's what this passage says. It says that the Jerusalem will come, not go up, but come what? Down to the earth. You see, this earth will be renewed and restored and re- maybe that's a different sermon. Let me ask you a question. True or false? True or false? Marriage is forever. True or false? Now look, I've heard some weddings where people say, we're going to love each other forever. We're going to be there forever, you know. But y'all, listen listen to this. In Mark chapter 12, some religious leaders came up to Jesus to try to trip him up. They did that a lot, you know. (laughs) They tried to trip. Do you ever have people try to trip you up? Uh, Jesus knows what that's like. He had some people coming to trip him up, and they said, all right, Jesus, you're so smart. If a woman has a husband who dies... And she remarries, and then it happens again and again and again, let's say seven times. Who is she going to be married to at the resurrection? Okay, she had one husband, he died. She got the second husband, he died. The third husband, he died. All the way down to number seven. Who's she married to in heaven? And Jesus Jesus said this. He said, this is in Mark chapter 12, he said, Is this not the reason you're wrong? (laughs) Because you don't know the scripture or the power of God. And then he says it plain. He makes it plain, y'all. He says, For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. Jesus tells it plain. That thing is not forever. Marriage is not forever, sex is not forever. When we make it to the new city, when we are the new city, we will be like the angels in heaven. Does that mean we get wings? No, I don't think so. What it means is we're not going to reproduce anymore. There's going to be a fixed number of us. Okay, that's what he's saying. That that, that will inhabit the new heavens and the new earth. We'll be like the angels. That thing is not forever. That's the title of this message. That thing is not forever. Because in the new heavens and in the new earth, we will experience intimacy much greater than the best of all possible intimacy that we can find on earth. We will experience brotherhood and sisterhood under one father. We will experience vulnerability and care, compassion, partnership, transparency, and trust, sharing life together in perfect and complete happiness and delight because we get a new family. We get a new family. That thing is not forever. We get a new lover. We get a new family, and we get a new reality. Look at verses 4 and 5. The Bible says... He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I sat in the hospital this week with a family in tears because of violence in our community. And God is saying he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. There there were two people shot in this incident. You may have read about it in the newspaper. And the other man died. But we get a new reality. And that new reality is he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. And he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. You see, God is not going to just transform us. He is. He's going to transform us. All right? You're going to have a new body. It's going to be the, uh, the version 2.0, new and improved body that can do things you can't even imagine. The resurrection body. Read 1 Corinthians 15 if you want a little bit of that. But he's not just going to transform your body. He is going to make all things new. That means the cosmos is going to be changed. Uh, physics, the laws of physics are going to change. All the things that bring tears and death and mourning and pain will pass away. And that goes for our sexuality too. Because it is a huge source of brokenness that one day will be mended. All things means all things. But it seems too good to be true, doesn't it? It seems like pie in the sky. It seems like you Christians are always talking about heaven and how things are going to be better. And so God anticipates that and that's why he says, write it down. Write it down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He can sense John's like, uh, that sounds great. Write it down. <laughs> right? Write it down. Write it down, John. That's why we have a Bible. Did you know we have a Bible because God's word that was given through the prophets and the apostles needed to be written down? It needed to be written down because we needed to know that is, that is for real. That is for real. That's what the word is. It's the written word of God. That's what your Bible is. It's not too good to be true. It's trustworthy and true. And so, brothers and sisters, we can make it through the struggle of this fallen world because we know that that thing is not forever. And we know that one day we will have a new lover. And we know that we will have a new family. And we know that we will have a new reality. So now we need to learn to live in the truth of these future graces. We need to learn to live in the truth uh, of these future graces. Think about the caterpillar, right? Who needs to live (laughs) in the reality of the future graces? Number one, we need to embrace our new lover. Uh, not, don't, don't wait for heaven. Don't wait for the new earth. You can make Jesus your delight today. You can make Jesus your delight today. He has ascended into heaven. He is already victorious over sin and death. He has risen to heaven and He is physically at the right hand of God. Somehow, some way, He is physically risen from the dead. And He is longing to be in a, a relationship with you right now. He wants to love you right now. And so we have to stop looking for love in all the wrong places. We have to stop, we have to stop making uh, substitutes for Jesus. Because look, anytime we go outside of God's plan, anytime we look for love in the wrong places, we're actually looking for Jesus. We're act- so anytime you sin, which you know, will be today, just remind yourself. I'm looking. I'm actually looking for Jesus. Uh, whatever it is, if it's eating, if it's gluttony, you eat too much food. Um, I'm looking. I'm actually not looking for the uh, candy. I'm looking for Jesus. Uh, I'm actually not looking for the fulfillment sexually. I'm looking for Jesus. Embrace your new lover. Uh, there's a pastor in uh, in our denomination, the PCA. His name's Greg. And he wrote a book uh, recently about his experience with persistent homosexual attraction. Unwanted, persistent homosexual attraction that he lives with. And he is a believer in the Lord Jesus. He believes that Jesus is his lover. And so... Because of that, and because he believes that God has designed sex for marriage between a man and a woman, he has devoted his life to be celibate and to abstain from sex outside of marriage. And he has prayed that God would change his attractions. But he he says, you know, God doesn't promise that in this life all of our struggles will go away. But that we can be faithful and obedient in this life, and He will strengthen us for that. So Pastor Greg clings to his new lover, and these are his words at the end of this book. He said, even now, I have Jesus. He is my life's positive vision. He rescued me. He forgave all my sin. He clothed me in righteousness. He took me on as His little brother. He has given me family among His people, the church. Jesus is everything. I've been walking with Jesus in celibacy as a Christian adult for more than 30 years. And I'm here to say it's worth it. Jesus is worth it. And the best is yet to come. Man, you talk about a struggle and a man who believes that Jesus really is worth it. Praise God for that testimony because the struggle is real. The struggle is real. And the world is telling you, man, that's stupid. Man, that's stupid. You just need to sleep with that girl. That's stupid. You need to just give in to your desires, whatever they are. The world is telling you constantly that God is stupid, Right? And that should not surprise us because it's the world, right? And your own flesh will tell you that God is stupid. But God is not stupid. God knows what he's doing. He's got a plan, and he wants us to live in it and walk in it, okay? And that means we have to repent. That means we have to turn from our sin and from our Jesus replacements and embrace our lover, the one who actually lived and died for you, the one who loves you unconditionally. That's the one that you need to embrace, friend. And not only that, we need to embrace our new family. Because I love what Greg said. He said, God has given me a family among his people, the church. Hallelujah. Amen for that. Because you know what? The church should provide support for those who struggle. You know why? Because we all struggle. Some of us keep it uh, closed up. But I know some of you struggle with loneliness. Some of you are married and you struggle with loneliness. Embrace your new family. Don't wait for heaven. You have a new city now. <laughs> Amen? Uh, uh, you have a new city now. You are a new city now. We are brothers and sisters think about it brothers and sisters relate to one another in a non-sexual way unless there's something really broken there right and 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 that happens we keep it real but a brother and sister relate to one another in a non-sexual way and that is the future brother and sister relationships forever that thing is not forever Brother and sister relationships are forever. 1 Timothy 5 verses 1 through 2 says, Treat older men as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. If you think of her as your mother or your sister, you're not going to objectify her. Let me say that again. If you think of her as your mother or your sister, you will not objectify her. If you think of him as your father or your brother, you will not fantasize about him. We need to embrace our new family. We need to embrace our brothers and sisters, our fathers and mothers. And we need to work on it because look, we live, we're still living in a pandemic, and it's, it's hard. We have, some, we have two women here today who haven't been here throughout the whole, or maybe once in, in a whole pandemic, and once because of the danger of COVID. Okay, and that's okay. But they're here with us today, and don't you feel the love? Don't you feel the love of these mothers in the faith? I do. I feel it. Embrace your new family. Make that phone call. Right? Send out that text message. Uh, The church is not an institution. It's a family. So let's be a family, y'all. We talk about it. Let's do it. (laughs) it. You got a problem with somebody? That's your brother. You got a problem with somebody? That's your sister. Uh, Work it out. Love one another. Embrace your new lover. Embrace... Your new family, and last, embrace your new reality. God is making all things new. Is that present tense or or future tense? Present tense. God is making all things new. That means He's doing it right now. That means that many things, that means many, many things, but it means especially that we ought to live faithfully in the situation where we find ourselves. So, where do you find yourself? Are you married? Are you unmarried? God wants you to embrace the new reality today. If you're in your current situation, if you're married, that means love and respect one another. Go listen to last week's sermon, okay? Love and respect one another. Joel did a good job preaching on that. Love and respect one another. And the Bible says, do not withhold sex from one another. But come together often. Come together often. This is a biblical command. If you're married, and if you're able, and if you're not having sex, then you're living in sin. God says, come together as husband and wife. I hope that's awkward. It is when I read it in the Bible, right? It's a little awkward, but God is calling married folk to come together physically and to love one another in the full expression. Why? Because it points to something, right? It points to something that God has done for us. It points to his love, his sacrificial love for his church. And I know that it's not always that simple. I know. I know it's not always that simple. Because we live in bodies that don't work. Right? We live in circumstances that are difficult. We live with constant temptation. And so we need to rely on the grace of God to work on the things that we can work on. To work on the things that we can work on. Get a counselor. Get help. If it's it's such a struggle, get help, love one another, and have sex, you married people out there. It is God's good design. If you're unmarried, the Bible says you have a special calling and opportunity. You have a special calling and opportunity. And and there are unmarried people of various kinds, right? There's some who have lost their husband. There are some who are teenagers. There are some who are everywhere in between, right? And so that's a lot of us. God says in the Word that you have a special calling and opportunity to devote yourself to the kingdom of God in ways that married people can't because they're just too busy with the married stuff. But you have an opportunity as an unmarried person to focus in on serving the Lord and His kingdom and serving other people and cultivating community and doing all the things that need to happen. You have a special opportunity. The the son of God, the Lord Jesus in his earthly life was not married. Okay, there's a really important lesson in that for us, isn't there? That he identifies with you. He identifies with us because he wasn't married. He had to resist those temptations just like you do. He had an opportunity to devote himself. Don't think about what you can't do. Okay? Please, don't just think about what you can't do. Think about what you get to do. What does being unmarried free you up to do? Have you ever had a friend who started dating somebody and all of a sudden they were married? Not really, but they were acting married. And what happened to them? Were were they any use to God? Why? Because you never see them anymore. Right? They're gone. They disappear. They're off together doing whatever they do. Right? Being together. Just the two of them. That's not marriage. Okay? What God calls us to in our unmarried lives is not to do that. Don't pretend you're married and do the fake marriage thing. That doesn't honor God. And it doesn't help you serve. But embrace your situation. Embrace your situation. Devote yourself to the kingdom of God and to things that you can do that that I can't do as a married man. There are things that you can do, places you can go, that I can't. So do it. Serve the Lord in those ways. Give other people meddling rights into your life. Because we know as a struggle, you are still a sexual being. You still have desires that are unmet and outside of marriage will be unmet. And so you need, you need accountability, you need prayer, you need help, you need someone who can ask you the tough questions, right? To help you along the way. And I got to say this, some of you need to be bold. Some of you unmarried, and I will say, especially you young men, need to be bold. You need to take steps toward marriage. Don't be afraid to pursue God's good design. Don't be afraid to pursue her toward marriage. Don't be afraid, don't settle for living like you're married, put a ring on it as the great theologian once said. And look, brothers and sisters, don't get discouraged. I know it can be discouraging. Don't believe the lies of the world that sex is everything. It's not. It, 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 it is wonderful in its God-given context, but it is not everything. If it was everything, Jesus would have been married. right? The Apostle Paul would have been married. If it was everything... It's not everything. The world sets sex up as an idol, and it says, bow down and worship it. right? But God says, no, no, no. We're going to put it in in a context where it can flourish and where it can serve and where it can be fruitful and where it can make a difference in the world. And so God has a plan for those who are married with regard to their sexuality, and God has a plan for those who are unmarried with regard to their sexuality. You can be faithful in either situation. By God's grace, you can be faithful in either situation. Remember, that thing is not forever. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But it is not forever. So pursue the things that are. Pursue the things that are. Believe the ending that God has set in place. The ending that God tells us in his word is true. Believe the butterfly that you get a new lover, a new family, and a new reality, and we can live in all three of those things today. We can live into all three of those things today by God's grace. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the way that you help us in our weakness and you challenge us in in our sin. Lord, in so many ways we fall short of your glory. And yet, God, you are God of mercy and grace. You have poured it out on us. Lord, you have given us every opportunity to come to you in faith and to receive the good, the beauty of that dress that you, that you place over our lives. Lord, make us feel clean. Not just mentally or rationally, but, but to actually feel the cleanness of our salvation. That whatever failures of the past mar and scar, whatever was done to us by someone else's sin, that we are clothed in righteousness by the Lord Jesus, our true and forever lover. Lord, I pray for our family. Lord, I know it's hard right now. I know it's hard. Church is hard right now. But God, you want to build a family where we can hear testimonies like, from the Martins this week where you are using your family fledgling as we are to bring life and beauty and hope into people's lives who are struggling and suffering. God, keep doing that. Do that here, Lord, we pray. And Lord, we pray that you would that you would help us to walk in faithfulness where we find ourselves in the new reality, whether it's married or unmarried. Lord, help us to walk faithful. Because we all struggle. We all struggle. We need your grace and your help. Lord, we commit all of these things to you. Lord, we commit this entire series to you. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be faithful to your will in all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.